I'm on right now. I don't believe you. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. You really are crazy. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Happy holidays and welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Movie Podcast. Here we delve into the world of cinema and explore what makes certain films good or bad. I'm your host, Zach Rancourt, and joining me, as always, is Amanda Jane Stern. Every week we analyze, discuss, and dissect some of the most popular and critically acclaimed movies of all time. Whether you're a film buff or just a casual moviegoer, our show is sure to provide you with a fresh perspective and thought-provoking insight into the world of cinema. So grab your popcorn, sit back, and join us as we explore the art of filmmaking and discover what truly makes a movie great. All that I ask is don't be crazy. Happy holidays, everyone. We are kicking off December in style with a very fun and festive episode. Uh, but first off, we have a couple guests. So uh, making his appearance, his reappearance on the Don't Be Crazy podcast, John Edmonds. John, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy holidays to everybody. Ooh, yay. Happy holiday to you and, and your your loveliness. You and your... Jamie! Your, your smiles <laughs> and your friendship are all I want for Christmas, baby. Aw, shucks. <laughs> and we got a newcomer on the show. Always welcome. I'm sure he's going to be spitting fire left and right. Matt Bronsdorf. Matt, welcome to the show. And go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us uh, you know, where you're from and what your background is. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, happy to be here. Excited to be on the show uh, discussing this movie in particular. Um, let me just start out by saying, don't forget, you're my number one customer. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I am a, a New York filmmaker uh, in, the, in this gig economy that we live in. I am a director, DP, and editor, depending on what my clients need. Um, I spent uh, the last 10 to 15 years working primarily in comedy at UCB, Above Average, Comedy Central. Um, and now in the last couple of years, I am finally at the stage where I'm shooting feature films. I've shot my First feature film, Perfectly Good Moment, starring your co-host, Amanda Jane Stern. Uh, and uh, after that, I shot a movie called Out of Order, starring uh, Brandon Routh and Brooke Shields. Ooh. You know, little names. Ooh. You know, nobody's, nobody's. No, I'm including a bigger name, obviously. Yeah, just just Superman. No big deal. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I am, um, I'm very excited to be on this episode because I am uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger fanatic. Uh, he is 100% my favorite actor of all time, and I've seen all of his movies. I own all of his movies, and I can't wait to talk about this. Oh, man. I am an Arnold stan. I was uh, a meathead in high school and college, and so, of course, you know, going to the, the weight room with your stupid cutoff t-shirt and stuff, uh, we always idolized Arnold, but I love his movies. They're just, in my in my formative years, that's what I remember watching were, were Arnold movies, like Predator True Lies, Total Recall, and I mean, still to this day, Total Recall. I will, will go tit for tat for with any other action or sci-fi movie. It's still it's one of the best and most creative films because of Verhoeven mostly, but like Arnold does a stellar job in it. So, anyways, awesome. I'm so happy to have you on the show, and then of course the lovely Amanda Jane Stern. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Matt and I were actually just on set together three, what, how many days ago? I don't know how many days ago. Like four days ago, four sure. or five days ago. Four like days that. ago. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the project that I'm working on with Peter, who was on several weeks ago for one of the best movies we've ever talked about. You mean Alan Rickman himself? <laughs> Peter Peter <laughs> yes. does a really good Alan Rickman impression. It's great. He does. <laughs> yeah, the talk 
body of evidence. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm good. I had a good, you know, 30th birthday party, so yeah. 3-0, woohoo. Welcome to the club. Yeah, welcome to the club. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> all right, well, let's get into it. We are going to be discussing Jingle All the Way from 1996. She's going to be pointing at me. Knowledge base. Me, 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 Now, we previously did this episode back in 2021, uh, or this movie, I should say, in 2021 on a previous episode, but this is the redux. This is the revamp. This is the director's cut new version, all right? We got a a whole list of new cast characters here um, on the podcast to discuss it, so that's what we're going to do. Jingle All the Way was directed by Brian Levant. Uh, He did movies like Problem Child 2, the superior Problem Child, in my opinion, The Flintstones, Beethoven, the one with the dog, and Are We There Yet with Ice Cube from Geometrons. So John gets that reference. It was written by Randy Cornfield, and it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, Rita Wilson, Phil Hartman, RIP, Jake Lloyd, Martin Mole, Jim Belushi, RIP. Oh, no, he's not dead. John Belushi's dead. Oh, Jim Belushi's very much alive. And and Robert Conrad, one of the Belushi's. Critically, okay, on IMDb, uh, not that great. 5.7 out of 10. I'd say in most countries, that's a fail. And then on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meters, that's critics, 20%. Oof, bad. Audience score, not much better at 39%. So that is fascinating because audiences love Arnold and he puts butts in the seats. But I don't know. I I digress. I watched it on Disney Plus. I also own it on 4K. What about you guys? How did you guys watch it? Disney Plus. I got that Blu-ray, baby. Got to watch it on that Disney Plus there. <laughs> I was I was hoping John <laughs> Pinocchio. Well, I was hoping John would have said like VHS, so we all would have had a different medium on, on like how oh, we watch that this. <laughs> Does well, anybody I still watched... have a VHS player? Uh, if yeah. anybody still has a VHS player, my hat is off. I got a dual uh, combo. My grandfather. Allow, uh, my allow, grandfather. Allow, me, allow me, if I will. I will just slightly turn my camera, and you can see my TV VCR combo that I watch all of my movies at my lunch breaks with. There you go. <laughs> and and yes, I do I do have Jingle All the Way on VHS, on DVD, and on Blu-ray. Could have watched it anyway, but I, I you know, I want to go with the highest quality, so I went with the Blu-ray. Yeah, I get that. And, and, and you do know what you're talking about because you spent a semester going to junior college and you studied psychology. <laughs> and I'm right in there. <laughs> my favorite my favorite meme right now is the Vince McMahon one where he's crying from the Andre the Giant documentary and he's like saying, cut it off. Uh, when it's like, you know, dad, tell us about TV, uh, VHS, uh, VCR combos or whatever. I'm just going to be like that meme the entire time. Or tell us yes. about Blockbuster on Friday night and Aww. I'll just be crying. <laughs> too soon, too soon. I know. You can, always, you can always go to Bend, Oregon if you want to get your Blockbuster on. Is that yeah. where the one is? Yeah. That's where I, the final one is. You know, oh. I, I went to Bend last year. I drove right by it and I was like, I'm good. I don't really need Hate to and I went it. in and it did have that nostalgic smell, I will say. Like buttered popcorn and Do feet. people who go to it still have, have subscriptions the way you could have the Blockbuster yeah. card back in the day? I think, I, I believe it's they like still a, do. It's like a souvenir now, yeah. Oh. Pe- people still yeah. fill out a membership. Oh my God, yeah. I miss Blockbuster. I, there was one two blocks from my apartment I would go, yeah. but then I discovered the indie video rental <laughs> shop <laughs> That's... and started going there. There you go. Well, hey, we, so we you're have, the reason. Still, it, you're the reason. 
We still have places like Kim's. Uh, you can rent uh, vid- movies from uh, Kim's down at the um, Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That. You can. Yeah. Okay, um, so Jingle All the Way, estimated budget of $60 million. Um, opening weekend was November 24th, 1996, and it made 12 point, let's say, $1 million. U.S. and Canada, the movie ended up grossing almost $61 million, and then worldwide, it made $129.8 million. So pretty successful worldwide, but people didn't like it, really. Couple fun facts from this movie. So apparently, instead of Sinbad from Myron, they originally Chris Columbus, who was a producer for this, wanted Joe Pesci to play Myron, and that would have been fascinating. But Joe Pesci is five foot three, and Arnold is six foot two, so it just would have looked a little weird, and it also would have given people the uh, memory of twins, and they might have been a little confused between the two movies. So I, I love Joe Pesci. I think he's great. One of my favorite parts in Home Alone is when he doesn't swear, and he goes, frizza, 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 frizza. That's like the best ever. So mm-hmm. I, I now, love you- how um, Arnie can never actually say Myron, and he calls him Marin the whole time. Marin. 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 Do you do you know the um the, the brief aside? Do you know the story of the of the fridge and fridge and fridge and fridge? So he was uh because Joe Pesci swore all the time. That was like their way of having him not swear, and so he just yeah. I I think it's hilarious, and and you can obviously tell it's like a parent not trying to swear in front of their kids, but mm-hmm. they it just elevates the film. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. So so I I find that I am now on a podcast in in good company, brethren. We are yes. all cinephiles. This is lovely. Yeah. Um, and then so the movie Jingle All the Way, the story is actually based on the 1980 shopping frenzy over the Cabbage Patch dolls. However, it ended up perfectly mim- mimicking the Tickle Me Elmo craze of Christmas 96 when it came out. I um, had a Tickle Me Elmo and I remember my mom going to the store and not fighting people for it, but like lining up at Fred Meyer at pff, like six or five or whatever time a.m. to get it. Okay, now with the tickle me Elmos, I never had that. Did it just did literally? I. If you if you push the button, did it just yep. go like? It it laughed a couple times and then it uncontrollably shook. It would mm-hmm. just start shaking and it was laughing. And I don't get it, but I had one. That's all that I, mattered. I, I always <laughs> found Elmo annoying. Elmo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He's a bit much. Was yes. it like the Furby? Was it the was it like the precursor yeah. to the Furby no, craze? Yeah, and Tamagotchi. It was bigger than that, at least. I think it was well, bigger Tamagotchi than the Furby. deserved it. Tamagotchi craze was great. I think it was oh, big, yeah. it was bigger than the Furby for sure. So. Oh god, Furby! Um, I, I Furbies was, were terrifying. Elmo may be annoying, but as the father of a three year old, he's he's the shit. My son <laughs> loves there you Elmo. Go. <laughs> Wait, does does he like Bluey? Is he into Bluey yet? So into Bluey. I love Bluey. So Bluey's so great. into Bluey. I'm not I, because we're on a podcast and I don't know your rules about things. I'm not name checking him. So I'm just going to be like your son, your little one. I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're tax dependent. The <laughs> elder <spawn>. child. <laughs> In some TV airings of the film, chain smoking boosters line where he says he's been, quote, sweating like a dog in a Chinese restaurant is removed. And I get it. I get it. Mm. And then finally, the film marked Arnold Schwarzenegger's fourth appearance as a lead in a comedy film following Twins, Kindergarten Cop, and Junior. Junior, underrated. Pretty terrible, but underrated. I agree. Very (laughs) underrated. My body, my choice. And then you flash forward now, you're like, holy shit. (laughs) He was right. (laughs) Does my body disgust you? Yeah. 
Does it disgust you? <laughs> disgust you. Okay, so um, the synopsis for this film, uh, it's going to be spoiler-filled. If you haven't seen Jingle All the Way, you definitely should, um, but this is your warning. Go ahead and jump ahead five minutes. Here we go. Workaholic Minneapolis mattress salesman Howard Langston loves the wife, loves his wife, sorry, Liz, and six-year-old son Jamie, but rarely finds time for them. He is often put in a bad light by his neighbor, divorcee Ted Malton, who Malton, who harbors unrequited feelings for Liz. Uh, after missing Jamie's karate class graduation, Howard res resolves to redeem himself by fulfilling his Christmas wish for a Turbo Man action figure, a popular television superhero, despite Liz actually having asked him to buy one two weeks earlier, which Howard forgot about. On Christmas Eve, Howard sets out to buy the toy, but finds that every store has sold out, and in the process develops a rivalry with Myron Larrabee, a postal worker father with the same goal. In desperation, Howard attempts to buy a figure from a counterfeit ring run by con men dressed in Santa suits, which results in a massive fight in the warehouse that is broken up by the police. Howard narrowly escapes arrest by posing as an undercover officer. Exhausted at his failure and out of fuel, Howard goes to a diner and calls home, intending to tell Liz the truth. Jamie answers the phone, but keeps reminding him of his promise to be home in time for the annual holiday wintertainment parade. Losing his patience, Howard yells at Jamie, and he feels guilty and depressed after Jamie scolds him for not keeping his promises. Howard finds Myron at the diner, and they share their experiences over coffee, where Myron tells him tells of his resentment towards his own father for failing to get him a Johnny 7 OMA for Christmas. During their conversation, Howard and Myron overhear a radio station advertising a competition for a Turbo Man doll. The ensuing fight between them results in the diner's phone getting disconnected, forcing them to race to the radio station on foot, where the DJ reveals to them that the competition was actually for a Turbo Man gift certificate. The po uh, police are alerted, but Howard and Myron escape after Myron threatens the officers with a seemingly phony letter bomb. Officer Alexander Hummel, whom Howard has run into several times already, investigates the package only to have it detonate in his face. Upon returning to his Suburban, Howard finds it stripped by car thieves. He takes a tow truck home where he finds Ted putting the star on his family's Christmas tree. In retaliation, Howard starts to steal the Turbo Man doll Ted bought for his son Johnny, but can't bring himself to do it. Unfortunately, Liz catches him in the act, and Howard is left alone while his family goes to the Christmas parade with Ted and Johnny. After dropping off Jamie and Johnny, Ted attempts to seduce Liz, but she violently rejects him by dousing him with eggnog. Daddy, smell like barf. Meanwhile, remembering his promise to Jamie to go to the parade, Howard decides to attend as well but runs into Hummel again. The resulting chase leads to Howard hiding inside a storage room where he is mistaken for the actor portraying Turbo Man and dresses in a highly technological costume. As Turbo, Man, as Turbo Man, Howard uses his chance to present a limited edition action figure to Jamie, but they are confronted by Myron dressed as Turbo Man's arch enemy, Dementor. Despite Howard's pleas for Myron to stop, a long chase ensues involving a jetpack flight. Myron grabs the toy from Jamie but is cornered by the police while Howard rescues Jamie. Howard reveals himself to his family and apologizes for his shortcomings. Officer Hummel returns the toy to Jamie while Myron is handcuffed, but Jamie decides to give the toy to Myron for his son, proclaiming his father as his true hero. Touched by Jamie's act of kindness, Myron apologizes for his earlier discrepancies. The crowd carries Howard away in a hero's fashion as Myron, Liz, and Jamie happily watch. 
In a post-credit scene, Howard finishes decorating their Christmas tree later that night by putting the star on top. However, after kissing and hugging, Liz asks Howard what he got her for Christmas, and he realizes with a shock that he forgot her gift. Okay, long, that was a long um, excerpt from Wikipedia. Some details I probably would have cut out of that, but that's okay. And let's great jump into, grammar. Let's great ju- grammar. Let's jump into these bones of this uh, of this discussion. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's world-renowned. He's highly impersonated. I mean, we all have our own Arnold imp- impression, right? Um, the man, he's a living legend in the film industry for essentially creating this niche genre, this 80s action film. And when we think of 80s action film, we know exactly what we're thinking about steroids and buff sweaty men very homoerotic however this doesn't mean that the man can't act in his share of comedies he can act in comedies and i personally think he does an excellent job with his comedic performances but not everyone may think the same as i so what do y'all think if arnold was never a huge action star to begin with would he fail in these comedic roles? And basically, like, does his action reputation enhance his comedies? I mean, I, I don't think... I think you need him as the action star first for these comedies, because I don't know that I would say he's an amazing actor. He just has... He's got charisma. You know, you, you, you like seeing him on screen, but it helps that you already know who he is and what his persona is, that if he just broke out of the gate and did some random comedies, you'd say, I don't know, who is this guy? Who is this thick Austrian accent yeah. man? And why are we supposed to believe that this guy is from Minneapolis and when he's in that costume, they have no idea who he is, even though he sounds like that and nobody else <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'll save. I'll save that for later. Like, I, I, I. I agree with you on that. I think you need him, like you said. He has that presence on screen, and that's what elevates when he circles back to comedy. Yeah, I would say uh, it. It helps a that he's he has the charisma and he's incredibly charming and and sort of like fun loving and very confident and even before he was in movies, like if you go and you watch uh, the, the documentary Pumping Iron, he's he's kind of a, a funny little shit. You know, that's how we got lines like, milk is for babies. I drink beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I drink beer. Um, so I would, I would uh, go back, I would back up Amanda and, and everyone else on their points that, that, that yes, you kind of need the action star first because a lot of the jokes that he leans into in all of these comedies that he's been to been in. And even the ones that aren't like full blood comedies, like true lies or even Batman and Robin. Um, a lot of the jokes are based on his size or his persona or the, or the fact that he is intimidating, but we're going to deconstruct that a little bit by letting him be goofy. I would say though, all of his work in the eighties um, in all of those uh, action movies, he learned timing, I think from all that, because one-liners need that that pitch-perfect timing that lends itself beautifully to telling jokes. And a lot of those jokes that they have in movies like Jingle All the Way are essentially one-liners but twisted to be, like, goofy and silly. Um, so I think he would perfectly be fine as, as a, a comedy actor. I, I honestly wish that he did more, and I think that's sort of what he's doing now. I don't know if you guys have seen FUBAR, but FUBAR is essentially a TV comedy. Um, and... Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't want him, I wouldn't not want the action career if, if, if I can say that. And, and, and also, to, to, so, sorry, you go, Zach. 
I was just going to say, um, I've had this discussion on the show before about the transition. So comedy is very hard. Um, I, I believe that comedic actors by by nature, by trade, are some of the best working actors probably there like, around. And I mean, this is me not having an acting background, but just someone who appreciates what it takes to go into a comedic performance. Um, because like when you have a dramatic actor or an action star go to comedy, most of the time it's not as productive or not as funny as you think it would be. But then you have people like um, Steve Carell or Seth Rogen or Jim Carrey that are comedic actors by nature that transition to more dramatic roles or I guess I guess action too, but I'm thinking more drama. And it, it, it pays dividends. They, they do a really good job. It is something to be said about an actor who can transition from something like a Arnold Schwarzenegger who barely spoke English from Austria, had like five lines in Hercules in New York. No, they dubbed his voice in Hercules in New York because yeah. it, his accent was so thick, right? The Pee Wee Herman, nothing right now, Mr. Herman. Um, and so basically his transition into into these uh, comedy roles is, is brilliant. Twins, he's hilarious in because like Matt's saying, he plays off of the fact that he's this huge guy Julius, right? This huge dude. And people sometimes don't even question that. Like this clearly Austrian guy is named Howard Langston and he's like a huge dude, but everyone thinks he's just neighbor next door. I'm like, this guy's massive and he's Austrian. How does he have a name like John Smith or something? So I think but, that's yeah. so much the comedy in, in a lot of his movies is that we're just supposed to, mm-hmm. to go along with, sure, he's just some Midwesterner. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and yes. Can, Kinder, I was going to say kindergarten cop is, is that like John Kruger, right? He goes there and all the women, when he goes to the school, they're like, oh, like, you know, they, they kind of eyeball him they as he comes him. out. They oogle yeah. him, right? <laughs> so. uh, point point of order. It's Detective John Kimball. John Kimball. That's what it is. John Kimball. I'm a cop, you idiot. Doesn't I'm he, a top. <laughs> doesn't he change it to Kruger, though, in it? It's like John Kimball and the John Kruger. I thought he uh, changed it. He, I'm pretty sure he I'm pretty changes sure. his name I'm, in it. Well, Okay, uh, I, I could be wrong. Maybe. It's been a minute, but I'm pretty sure all the kids call him uh, Mr. Kimball. Yeah, wow. I know, but no, I know, but already. But I think his, I think his uh, detective name is John Kruger, and then he, um, when he goes to school, he changes it to to Kimball. I, I could be wrong, and, and the only reason yeah, check it. The only yeah, check I don't, that. I don't want to. I don't want to call out the host, but no, 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 that's I, fine. I, oh, trust me, I, I've, I've been known to be wrong before. Um, I would also say to echo off Matt's earlier statement about one-liners, I think that also played with like 80s and 90s. They were known for like your very campy one-liners. And yeah. timing, like you said, was everything. You know, think of it. Remember when he throw in Predator, when he throws the knife and he goes, stick around. Stick around. Yeah. Like, like the, hey, Dylan, got the CIA got you pushed in too many pencils. Exactly. <laughs> like or, everything. Or... Go ahead. Finish your point. Every, every, everything about it is like, he, a last action hero I will always hold very near and dear. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, it's just like, th- think about it. Like, and, and like what Amanda said, everyone in Minnesota ignores the only, the 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 token Austrian bodybuilder. And it's also funny because if you look at the costume design, they just, they put him in all this baggy clothing to yep. cover it up. They just don't give a fuck. They just move, they, they move past it. They move past it. Mm-hmm. We just, and it's like, and I think I've said this when we've done some older movies, Zach, that mm-hmm. in old movies, we didn't care what people's accents were. You were you could pretend to be from any country and not do an accent. I've seen yeah. many things where the actress is French and they're like, yes, I'm from Boston. And it's like, <laughs> sure, okay, yeah. why not? They so do, much for accent work. 
they do definitely put him in the giant jacket, you know, to, to, to hide a little bit of his size to make yeah. him seem a little bit nor- more normal. But they don't completely unaddress it because Phil Hartman does have that great line towards the end where he says, you can't bench press your way out of you this one. You can't bench or press your way out of this one. Oh, my God. I love, yeah. like, one day in life I want to use that on somebody and they'll have no idea what it's from. You have to wonder and- how much time he has to go to the gym because what we've seen is he spends all of his time at work mm-hmm. selling uh, but mattresses he, but while he is selling those mattresses he does have like i have on my desk a gripper to yeah, work that's, on his forearms that's, so that's how that's he got not, so warm. Arms are huge. that's not doing that that's that's not but, gonna <laughs> but we don't see his whole office for all you know he could have like dumbbells sitting next to his, his yeah, right? chair just like you're my say... favorite customer <laughs> Every time he says it, he does a bench press. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I will say my only sadness with Arnold moving to comedy is I wish he would have done it sooner. Because I mean, look at like John Cena. Like yeah. okay, John Cena did ha, has done exceptionally well in John. Comedy. How can I look at John Cena when I can't see him? I mean, you can't see him. <laughs> dun, 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 I mean, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> but it's like I like okay him in okay talk blockers was like my sort of first exposure to him. He is very funny. I agree in in that comedy role, and I was like, he's John funny, Cena's yeah. great. And then and and Peacemaker, Peacemaker he he also, was great. I Peacemaker, my, he showed the entire spectrum. Yeah. I think my first for him was Trainwreck, and he yeah. he's not even a big part in that, but he stood out. And I remember I watched it with my fiance. No, I didn't. I watched it with my mom. Um, and afterwards we were just like, huh, that was John. The, he was fantastic. <laughs> you know? like in, in, co- in cock blockers, I think if I recall, like John Cena's like, I'm so, I'm so tiny. I'm so mm-hmm. small. And they're like, are you kidding me? You're a giant. Like, yeah. so they do the opposite. I would have loved to have seen them like do that with Arnold. It would have just been like, just throw in that John Cena comedy with an Austrian accent. And it just <laughs> would have been great. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I don't know if you guys have seen FUBAR, but at least in FUBAR, they try to explain it. Cause like the whole idea is that his wife doesn't know that he was a spy nor did his daughter. They believed that he was just a gym salesman. So, of course, he spends all his time in, in the gym and he sells gym equipment. So it's like, okay, all right, you're trying to put some logic behind his yeah. enormity. Even at 75, he's still enormous. Oh, he's still he's still jacked. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, house cleaning. John Kruger was from Eraser, another Arnold movie. And that's where I was. Kruger. To be that's... fair, they're both very similar. And I knew it was Mr. Kimball, but for some reason, I thought he had to change his name when he Excuses. was, like, chasing down the guy. Even pencils have erasers. So, <laughs> uh, If I may be so bold, given your current mistake, I will say the following. You've just been erased. You've just been erased. Underrated movie. I liked it a lot. Vanessa Williams is great. Oh, yeah. So um, the Turbo Man doll, it's not only the hottest toy of the season. Duh. Uh, come on, people. <laughs> what was the what was the hottest sought after toys that you guys remember from your childhood? Toys that you remember either you buying for your kids or your parents buying for you, you know, going out of their way to fight other soccer moms, basically, for that coveted DV- portable DVD player, that, that kind of stuff. What were the hottest toys? Turtles. Ninja Turtles? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, the small action figures are the big stuffed ones. Uh, at least the small, but, the small action figures I yeah. still have on my desk might be up and rock steady. Sweet. I mean, I remember yeah. the, the Furby craze. Those mm-hmm. were... Those were I, weird. I, I remember Very the Furby weird. craze. And then like my Nana had one. She got us one. And that was like, cool. Like, and that day I was like, cool. I got Legos and I moved past it. Beanie because, Babies. Like, Oh, yeah. oh Beanie, Beanie Babies. Babies. Yeah. Yeah. Because and, they did appreciate so much in value. Mm-hmm. And from around two the, to a three. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, around around the same same time as this, there was a craze for um, uh, Power Rangers toys as well. Oh, dude, I was in a newspaper oh, article from my from my hometown, my brother and I, because we were huge Power Rangers fans, and they came to our house and took our pictures, like showing how to build the Megazord and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like eight, I think, at the time, and I, I think I still have the newspaper article somewhere. But yeah, I loved Power Rangers. Yeah, one of my friends had the Megazord, but uh, unfortunately, Ooh. we my my family was not well off enough to afford such such uh, indulgences. <laughs> I, I will say the one I remember the most was that um, my dad, he, he bet on a football game. Like our family doesn't gamble. Like I don't like gambling that much. It's just not my cup of tea. But then he gambled and won like $500. And what he did, he then surprised us with the Nintendo 64. Wow. So wow. like that was the, and he put all the money just right back into that. So I will like always remember that Christmas. We were never as excited as like the Nintendo 64 kid on YouTube. <laughs> and if you just if you just yes, look it up, you'll yes. see. Yeah, <laughs> but like I remember, like setting that up, booting up Mario sixty four, and that was just like that was the shit. Woohoo! I stood uh, jumping off of that. I stood outside of a Circuit City oh, two, two years. Wow! <laughs> two for years you after younger the, listeners. <laughs> for you younger listeners, uh, I stood outside of a Circuit City from eight o'clock the night before to eight a.m. the next morning, waiting for the Wii. Oh um, wow! Yeah, I got oh, my the first Wii. like I got my first little digital camera at a Circuit City. <laughs> oh geez, what it's like six megapixels? There's <laughs> a shit, total shit. <laughs> For mm. you people born after 2000, Circuit <laughs> City was a store that sold electronics like Best Buy. <laughs> Which next year will have to be like, remember Best Buy? Oh, yeah. God. yeah. I, I remember. The, oh, I remember. Remember when they sold more than washing machines? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, God. we used to have a Circuit City across the street from a Best Buy on 86th Street in Manhattan. So if you couldn't find the thing you wanted at one, you'd go across the street to the other. <laughs> so some things I do remember too, like Pokemon was was a huge, huge craze back in in 99 uh, when it first came over from Japan. Yeah, Furbies also, like we were saying. Uh, Razor scooters too. I don't oh, remember. Yes. Those oh, wow. Were. I, That's a, I, I remember. I had an off... <laughs> I had an off-brand Razor scooter. Was it like Blazer scooter? <laughs> Razor? I think it was. It was like Scissor scooter. Which, Scoo- oh, Scissor which me. Which now. Scissor me scooter. Scissor me, Xerxes. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, which those are. Like, we're off the rails really here. Th- those were so great, too. But I, all I can think about is like just bruised shins. Because once yeah. that thing gets away from you, it nails you in the shin. And it's like pure steel. And you're just like, ah, oh, God. So. Yeah. So a couple of the kids ride their scooters in the street. They're like, do you remember how to do a tail whip? I was like, watch the shins. <laughs> Protect your oh. shins. Put shin guards on them. Oh, and yeah. then I worked retail for a good 15 years. Um, and so I, I just remember seeing things. Uh, but nothing really popped as, mu- as much uh, in the past, probably, say, five or six years, as the Hatchimals. And Hatchimals are basically just these, they're like eggs. They're pretty big eggs. And inside there is a toy, but it, it has to hatch. It's like a stuffed animal with some other things inside of it. And the kids loved them. I mean, we would get people, they're like 60 bucks a pop, but we would get people that would call in 
I mean, you have to print out signs on the front door when I was at Target, like, hey, you know, Hatchimals, we don't have any more. No, we don't have any in the back. Uh, we don't know when the next shipment is. And I mean, we would get people that were getting angry at us, like threatening, they're like, you know how much money I spend here? I'm never coming back to Target. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah, um, good luck. <laughs> yeah, but like, it, it just, it, it's crazy. And like my, my girlfriend's daughter, she wants a Hatchimal for Christmas too. We're doing a Secret they're $119? Santa. $119? They oh are? God. Oh, wow, they went up. Holy buckets. Okay. So she wants one really bad for Secret Santa. Santa, and she's she wants to or i'm sorry um white elephant knowing that it's probably gonna get stolen but it's really not because it's for her and i'm just like i guess we gotta do it <laughs> so <laughs> there is that i but think i might have seen some of these at ross no no uh, i see near them me. for 25 dollars hey. at target no those oh, are the six, small ones you need that you need the actual like the actual 63. age yeah i was gonna 63. say they should, i was like they should be about 60 dollars yeah. Okay. There I might go. have seen some at Ross, Zach, today. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I see them, I'll 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 grab you one for cheaper. Thanks. I can just grab it by stealing it and running out. So that's too. <laughs> that <laughs> worked <kidding>. so <laughs> well for Arnie. Yeah. Exactly. That's we, uh, a we got two. Yeah. Got two. Get him. We got two. Sixty-three even at Walmart.com. Oh wow. Not now. Just gonna keep this devolving yeah. to quotes. In, instead of a instead of a hatch mole, I'm just gonna go. How about a nice shiny red ball? Want to trade? Want to trade? And he's sort of beating the hell out of him. <laughs> Last thing I'll say about toys is, at, at least my son is still at that age. He doesn't really get to watch TV. We watch like movies and shows, but no commercials or anything like that. So he's not like influenced by mm. toy crazes. Um, but he's at that age now where we have already decided what his big gift is for Christmas. So we were at Target the other day and we were walking through the toy aisle and both Bridget and I were like, look at that. That looks really cool. And he's like, (laughs) it is really cool. I want it. And we're like, good, because you got it. What is it? What what are you getting him? We got him a marble run. What is that? Ooh. It's like it's it's sort of like a, a big set that you build and it's it's kind of like an obstacle course. You put a marble in the top yeah. and then like uh, it go it can go different ways and it has like different you can things design like it. Like Sweet. Yeah, That's exactly. Fun. It's kind of like they, 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 they have it at, at our oldest one's preschool, so I know exactly what that's awesome. Like, that sounds um, va- yeah. fun and vaguely educational. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Again, yeah. Get him thinking outside the box. A go. couple of years ago, we were at a toy store and they had one in the front and we were trying to get him interested in other toys and all he wanted to do was drop the marbles in the top. So now it's like, okay, he's old enough to not like swallow yeah. them. So we'll get him one. <laughs> yeah, he's three. Yeah. 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 You're, you're past the I swallow everything phase. Yep, exactly. Although we have a, we have a number two now, so now it's going to be like, make sure, you know, when we're done playing with it, we collect all the marbles. That's the until, hardest until part. Until number two is old enough. How old's your second one? Is the... uh, she will be two months and four days. Oh, wow. Okay. Can, yeah. You just hand That's... her other toys that are meant to be stuck in her mouth so she can focus <laughs> on those. Like the bagel. Yeah, exactly. Like the bagel. <laughs> yeah, bagel or Duplos. <laughs> So Jingle All the Way, for me, it works so well because it focuses on most people's real feelings about Christmas and the holiday, and that is consumerism. That is very, very obvious in this movie. However, I'm, I'm posing to you guys, is this movie saying anything further about consumerism that we don't mostly know, or perhaps something even deeper? I'll jump in and say it definitely hits on status symbols. It mm. for sure hits on like, oh, you you got the, the turbo man like you, you are, you know, you're maybe that middle class or upper middle class. Or it also talks, you know, people who have the luxury based on their jobs 
to go and get the shopping. Like, look at Myron. Um, you know, that was the only day where he could go Christmas shopping was Christmas Eve because he was out delivering everyone's packages. Yeah. And Jamie even says it, too. He's like, anyone who doesn't have one's going to be a real lame-o or whatever he He's says. going to be a real lame-o. And I am just like, this little shit, this little Darth Vader Jr. is being a little shit right now. But, yeah. Jamie. 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 Yeah. That's, that's and, and, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Matt. No, I, I was just going to say, and, and there's also something about um, the pressures that are put on parents to meet these expectations, whether they, yeah. they want to or not. Because, obviously... You have this comparison between Ted, who is the perfect dad, and he's always home, and he does everything for his son. He got, he, I got a Turbo Man for Johnny months ago. It's nestled safely <laughs> under a tree. And here is Arnold, who, yes, to be fair, he's a workaholic. He doesn't really, he does not do what, as a father, he should do, which is pay attention and be present. Um, but also, he now on Christmas Eve is pushed to this point where, like, he has to go on this insane adventure because he has to be at least as good as Ted. Uh, you know, he's got to make sure that his son is, is, is as happy as little Johnny is. Um, so, yeah, like, like parents get get pushed into these places. And then, you know, it's it's even pushed to the limit with Myron, where he's so desperate and so not as, you know, class level high as Arnold and Ted are um, as, a, as just a mailman. And he's willing to resort to violence, even if even if it's unintended, because he's like, that was a bomb. This is sick world we're living in. Sick people, but he's still, but he's still, he's still willing to pretend like he has a bomb. Yeah, and and almost kidnap a child and chase him onto a roof. So, yeah, there's there's definitely something about the pressures of parenthood. Also, and when in, he goes on that rant, choking, he's like, I took the laugh out of him, <laughs> and then he's like, I'm good, you're good. You it, shouldn't wear fur. You shouldn't wear fur. In <laughs> this world, in this world, we're made to believe that a bomb that all that happens when it explodes, you just get colored in some in some blackface and some black clothes, <laughs> some black you just, suit. Yeah. You get the you get the dust. So the bomb is is, is very problematic. But it doesn't well, it doesn't hair. hurt he you. Does, hair. He does have bandages on his hands. Oh ah yes. So no, but that was from the coffee. Burned. No, that was from the coffee. I oh yeah, no. that was the coffee. No, Sorry the about co- the coffee the, and the bomb. The, co- <laughs> the coffee falls on his bandaged yeah, hands. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Point of order. Uh, yeah. So bomb, coffee, motorbike, all that kind of I stuff. I mean, no. This movie is a, a an extent a long sequence of wacky races scenes, basically. It. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, that formula definitely plays out where, you know, after the inciting incident, it's just like things keep getting worse and worse, and you know, our character feels that feels the pressure and the stress, and. But it's yeah. also much like with Home Alone. There are no real world consequences to the no. actually very real <laughs> no. violence inflicted on some people in this movie. <laughs> like the bomb, you know? Like the bomb or like the fire on the head mm-hmm. in Home Alone or the fire on the hand and like, yeah. Like literally anything. That would be a very dangerous thing. It, yeah. It's it's a series of cartoon, you know, it's it's Roadrunner outsmarting Wiley Coyote. Boom, he falls and then he's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's fine. It's, I, I also, it's fine. It's fun. <laughs> I'd also also uh, think that it says, you know, this film's also talking about how, like, if it's not Turbo Man, it's not even worth having. Like, remember, like, when Arnold chases after that woman in the fur coat? He's like, I give you three times as much as you are, two times, three times as much as you paid. And he says it's Booster. And mm-hmm. then he just throws it away. Yeah. I mean, but nobody likes you, Booster. And that's why I was I was thinking this movie is about uh, excess and procrastination. I think excess in the sense of, you know, this I don't I can't say it because I don't have kids, so it's not really fair. But 
Jamie has a pretty goddamn good life. His room is incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has all yeah. the allowances uh, that he can afford, basically. And and it's it's just not necessarily fair when you compare it to Myron. And I don't think this movie did a good job of no. of showing Myron's life and showing um, people who are less fortunate than the Langstons and even Phil Hartman's character, uh, much more uh, Ned or what Ted. Was his name? Ted. Ted. Um, Ted. Even Ted. even as much as him. I mean, because obviously he was well off too. They were the neighbors in this nice cul-de-sac or nice area. And so I don't think the movie did a great job of of showing that. So even at the end, um, when Sinbad does get the toy, when Jamie does the right thing, gives Myron the toy, it doesn't feel as earned necessarily, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I think that this film focuses a lot on that excess. And I don't know if that was on accident or I don't know if that's what they were trying to make a commentary about, but that's at least what I was thinking. I think part of it is that in the attempt to go for the humor of the big action set piece and to parallel it to the beginning opening shot, Myron goes too far. Yes. And and he, he goes much further than Schwarzenegger ever goes, who Mm -hmm. does not, make bomb threats you know he he literally goes after a kid in a violent Mm -hmm. dangerous way and i i think and especially for me i was watching this as a first time viewer you know it hits a point where you're just like dude (laughs) let it go (laughs) seriously fuck off this is this is too much and i can't be in your camp anymore so I don't love his performance. It's a little too loud for my taste. It's just big. And I'm like, That's my, ears, my ears yeah. hurt. It's too much. Um, there's, there's there's a lot of scenes in this where they just let Sinbad just like do his stand-up mm-hmm. routine. I don't yeah. love it. Now, were, you, were you guys ever fans of Sinbad no. routine or comedy? I, I feel that I was never exposed to it a whole lot growing up. I felt, I mean, what, it's 96. I, I feel like, you know, at that age, it's not. Maybe it was a Robin Williams stand-up, or uh, mm-hmm. it was even Dennis Miller, probably at that point. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say like Sinbad. But I just, I mean, like what Matt, you know, there's six people in this world. There's some one-offs that were Sinbad's comedy hits, but I felt like you, like you said, he hit off the rails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked him in in House Guest and Necessary Roughness and First Kid. Um, I liked kid. him. I liked him in those, and in Good Burger, he plays the teacher. So, oh my god, he's in that. Yes, yeah, he, I it, forgot. He's the he's the the teacher who um, Dexter's car he hits, and then um, the mailbox and stuff too. He's got the big fro, and he's like, yeah, he puts it. He basically puts Dexter to work. So, I definitely saw some of his stand up on Comedy Central. Um, yeah, because I was aware of him before I saw mm-hmm. this movie. Um, but I mean, besides this movie, I, I honestly have no recollection of anything of, of Sinbad other than, the you know, he's a, he's a little over the top in this, but like, hey, he's still kind of a lovable character. Yeah, I think uh, so. To, until the end. To, and, to, yes, and to, to an extent. That's the issue is it, it becomes too much that it's like, shamey. No, don't give him the toy. He almost <laughs> murdered you. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he did try to stop Jamie from, uh, sorry, he tried to stop Jamie from climbing to the top of that metal tree. He's like, you ever seen Vertigo? Does that mean anything to you? (laughs) He doesn't want to do that. And yet he still does, which I guess is to the, you know, to the movie's idea of mindless consumerism. But I I think, yes, that is kind of where its messaging falters in the fact that Arnie has to be our hero. And when Mm -hmm. you, when you take stock of who he is as a character, you're like, this guy's kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. he's a shitty yeah. dad he's a shitty husband you know and and we have to make ted the villain 
even though if you, again, take stock of it, that scene aside, you're kind of like, yeah, no, he is a better alternative. He is providing financially, but he is there. He is present. He would, you know, he he's literally there to do things for them. And yes, it's over the top. And yes, you are supposed to hate him. And he's got like that Weasley thing going on. And you know what the movie wants you to feel about him. But me thinking, watching it as a woman thinking, okay, but, yeah. but like, I'll, mm, the cool yes, I'll, go, Matt. <laughs> ca- ca- counterpoint, it does, you know, his son Johnny does say at one point that um, his dad only got good after yes. the divorce. So clearly his, his, over um, over the top good fatherness is really just trying to you know win his son's Solo favor Rose. after the yeah. divorce, and also considering the fact that he's, with the exception of Jamie's mom, he's sleeping with every woman in the neighborhood. He definitely got a divorce because of his infidelity. So, is that why you think he got a divorce, or do you think now he's just sleeping that he turned into this? you know, man that everyone wants and he's, that's why they're all sleeping with him. He's trying to get Arnold's wife to, to commit, to have an affair with yeah. him. Like he, he absolutely cheated yeah. on his wife and yeah. that's why. Yeah. He that's, well, that's cause that's he's the presenting subplot. them Hugh Jackman <laughs> the with, with the cupcakes in that, you know, on that, that magazine ad and like the women's magazine where they put Hugh Jackman on the cover in the, in the pink uh, apron and he's carrying cupcakes. That's what he's I, presenting. Do you not I, know I, this? I, I'm not familiar with this ad, but you, you know how I feel about Hugh Jackman. Yes, so yes I I'm do. going to look it up. I do. But then, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. I think so. I, I think that if if they would have posed Sinbad in a way or Myron in a way that um, made him a true foil character to Howard, I think that would have been a lot better as a as a viewer, in my opinion. Here I am picking apart a movie that I really love, by the way, but. Um, it's it's because he talks about the story about how he resented his father for not getting him his favorite toy. Now, if they would have went further and said, you know, like I grew up, we never really got toys because we grew up from a single family home or or, or whatever it was, and and we struggle all our lives. And then here you have Howard, who's the mattress king of uh, Minneapolis, and um, they can afford all these things. And, and maybe for that that brief moment in the diner when they were connecting, they could really he could see it from his standpoint and be like, oh man, maybe there are there's more to Christmas than presents. Right. And remember and, he, instead he sees his son turning out like Myra. Yep. He drinks. Like, that's he, the oh, worst yeah. thing in Here's the world. Here's to you dad. Yeah. No, mind Here's you, he's a mailman. He is a union employee <laughs> yes. with a great pension. And that's a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Postal worker. I like how they're shitting on the postal worker, like the postal worker <laughs> profession. Well, I was like, that's a solid union. Yeah. I don't, I, well, I don't know. Didn't if they, they just get like yeah. new provisions because they threatened to go on strike and they're like, okay, here you go. You win. Yeah. Maybe but, maybe he thinks that the best present presents. There you go. All all I would say once again to slightly defend Sinbad's character of Myron here is he does say in the diner that because he he wanted the Johnny Seven OMA gun mm-hmm. seven guns in one his dad didn't get it for him he thinks that that is why he is now a lo- look at me now I'm a loser with no future so he does feel to a certain extent that if he doesn't get this Turbo Man doll for his son it's just going to be a repeat of what he lived. So if he does not get this Turbo Man doll, uh, this Turbo Man doll, he is going to be a shitty dad, just like his dad was. So there is an element of desperation to that. Of he's yeah. he's trying to do the best, even though he certainly crosses a line in that in that last uh, sequence. I just didn't feel like that was that apparent. I felt like it was more subtext, if anything, then because like I didn't feel like that was that apparent. I'm like, oh, 
well, that's kind of meh. But I get what you're saying, and that that totally makes sense. I think if you know, if I were to to redo this, um, that's probably what I do. So that leads me to my next question. Um, so this movie was made in 1996, but it is now 2023, almost 2024. Can this movie Jingle All the Way? Can it be remade today? Like, how different would it be? I mean, they made Jingle All the Way too, which is basically just a remake. <laughs> we we don't talk about Jingle the All the Way too. <laughs> yeah. we, we 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 Men in Black's uh, mind eraser that yeah. one. How, so. how dare you bring up such blasphemy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but how, how would this be remade, you guys? With John Cena. Dun, dun. That would be dun, awesome, dun. actually. I think. Okay. That would be that. That's fantastic. And Sinbad. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I, I think uh, Lil, Lil Ray, you know, who are um, Lil Rel. Lil Rel. He is hilarious and he could yeah. pull that off really well, I think. Kevin Hart. Kevin, well, Kevin Hart certainly has the manic energy. Yeah. I, I, I think, I don't I have think that... you can make it a little less manic. Yes. For my taste. Like, yeah. like dial it down. That's why I say Lil Rel. I agree. He's, and he's, he's, a, not he's manic. a good actor. He's hilarious. Too. He could act yeah. and he's really funny, but he's not manic. Exactly. He yeah. he and, knows and how to play fighting. the like the manic bits, but tone it down so it's still grounded in something, and you're not watching in like, wow, my ears hurt. You're still like, yeah. no, no, I'm <laughs> with this guy. They've also been in yeah, a, like, a movie, two movies together now too. I think John Cena and uh, oh, L- have they? L-Rell. Yeah, it's, yeah. Weren't they in? Uh, um, it's, weren't they in like Vacation Friends? Yes, and Vacation Friends too. So. But you could also uh, flip it. They made a sequel. Role. Oh, on. they swap them. It, it yeah, like you can swap it. We would need to to change some of the <laughs> problematic undertones of the anti-union worker nah. thing. No, Little sure. Rel is now the mattress king, and yep. John Cena is your union worker. Here's to you, Dad. Here's I, I would just toss this out to you though. With Little Rel and John Cena, who's the straight man? Because I feel like both mm. of them, comedy styling wise, are kind of the straight man, which is why mm. as, as over the top Sin, as Sinbad is. It is a nice combo, him and him and Arnold. Because, no, I think I think Lil Rel could be the the not straight man part I think, of it. I, think, I see. I think I've little, seen him yeah. do both. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think in Vacation Friends he starts out as more of a straight man role, and then even in um, Get Out he he has moments where he can play that, but clearly he's more. Yeah, of he's the not the straight man in, in Get Out. He's not no, the straight but, man. No, but no, but there are yeah. moments. But there are moments when he does, and then he also. That's why I like him because yeah. he knows how to rain the two together and in poker yes. face he was his his cameo in, in a poker face um a show with um natasha leone was mm-hmm. fantastic and he did a really you know good what? job in the episode no that's your reboot natasha leone as hmm. who the arnie character oh <laughs> and then little rail yes yeah. there we go that's it <laughs> so let, let me let me toss this problem out for you guys though in terms of uh the remake of it all yeah does this movie work in a world with Amazon. No, so, so and that's, that's what I, no. And that's what, that's kind of what I get at. So it is really hard to remake movies. And when we talk about, you know, oh, the original is better. Well, yeah, sure. Because we saw it at different times in our lives. And you have to understand that the reason Scream works so well is because this was like early cell phones, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where you had, you didn't even have caller ID, I think at that point. No. And, and so there no. are, and, and police responses are going to take a while. People left their doors open. And, and so there are different things that you have to suspend. And I think you're right. In an Amazon world, you could try to find a way to to work around it, but that would be a a problematic thing. I think mm-hmm. it's not in in the negative sense. It would just be hard to make this film be well, like, well, what about Amazon? Yeah, because he he very you know yeah. if, if Amazon doesn't have it, he he jumps on eBay and pays the same amount of money that he would have paid 
the Jim Belushi character, yeah. three hundred dollars for the Spanish version. Of you her. could have him chasing down like via like he he went to offer up and like Facebook the Amazon warehouse. Yeah, like, or he, my... he goes to the Amazon warehouse. He, yeah. tries, he tries to call Jeff Bezos somehow. Jeff. Yeah, I mean, oh my Jeff. God. well, that's that's exactly why. <laughs> like, I don't the... know why he's all, I don't know why he's Austrian again. That's yeah. that's why the when a stranger calls remake in like yeah. two thousand something didn't work because we had cell phones exactly. then. Yeah. yeah exactly. Oh what? No caller ID. Okay, but. Star 67 <laughs> or Star 69. Well, Although, uh, like five, five, five cream, also known Scream Five. Yes, but five, five cream, five cream did a pretty, did a pretty decent job. But that of was getting a around requel. some of that logic. No, but I mean, like the, the 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 mechanics of how it works, where yes, you have cell phones, yes, you have caller yes. IDs, but like yeah. the killer could have he can you spoof know, your someone phone. else's phone. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, that is smart, but. When we when the When a Stranger Calls remake came out, you couldn't do all of the stuff you could do now. So it was just yeah. like this logic doesn't make sense anymore because mm-hmm. it's not a landline. You're not hampered to the phone in the same way. You could literally walk away with the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is a world where you could do a remake and make it about the Amazon of it all, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. given that you know the original Jingle All the Way is is very much all about brick and mortar, like. His first course of action is he goes to a toy store. Then he goes to other toy stores. Then he goes to, you know, this 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 back alley warehouse. And he goes to the radio station. And now with Amazon and, and uh, you know, Alibaba and all these other online services, eBay, et cetera, there aren't as many brick and mortars. So that could be part of the issue of it is if I can't find it online, where can I go? Mm-hmm. Well, there's... There's no Toy Story. There's no Toys R Us anymore. Nobody knows what Toys R Us is anymore. And I think that would no, be I... a good that would be a good uh, plot right there. Is like so you have this out of touch dad who we just talked about Best Buy, and if he's like, oh, I'll just go to the local Kmart. And it's like, Dad, Kmart's been yeah. out of existence for like ten years. Or he's like, okay, fine, I'll go to KB Toys. Twenty years for that one, and so on yeah, and so yeah. forth, right? And oh he realizes God. how freaking hard Baby it is toys. to go do that. Baby Boom! Toys. We just wrote the movie right there. But, well, also, yeah. let me pause at a different plot point. What if they fight against those bots that auto order stuff the second <laughs> that they get it in stock? Like a drone. They have to go. They, no, like remember, like like when PS5. Yeah. Remember, like when PS5s were coming. Oh, stuck, people those. people write codes so that bots are auto ordering yeah. it before any regular human yeah. can, can get it ordered. Human. 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 I am so, a human. I would love to see like, you know, them going against like trying to take down the bot farm mm-hmm. just so they can get a toy for their for Chamey. Yeah. Right. That would be But it, but it has to be them going somewhere because yeah. otherwise yeah. Yeah. it can't be them just sitting at the computer like the no, yeah. no, 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 they have to no, go, no, they have hit, to, go hit, to like I'll just say they have to go to like uh, India where they have all these bot yeah. farms. They're like we have to get on a plane. Oh my god, it's like we only have oh, a few so days it's left. Like, yeah, it's like or, Game of Thrones season the season eight traveling. I'm on a plane to India on Christmas Eve and I'm there yep. now. Yeah. It and took I'm there. no time. It's a it portal. Took no time at all. <laughs> I mean that there was, is there is an incredible amount of time travel going on in Jingle All the Way. Yeah. True. This this one. It is it is oh. the longest day in the world. I'm surprised it is not June twenty first. Because the amount of daylight in that day is just extraordinary. Maybe Minneapolis and, and is just world? that sunny until seven at night. <laughs> yeah, and also the warmest snow I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> and in what world do they have a parade that starts at like three p.m.? Uh, yeah, because that's the only thing that would make sense is that the parade starts oh, at three. Yeah. With an hour of daylight left, they start the parade. Yeah. And wasn't it, isn't the darkest day of the year, like, just right before Christmas Eve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, something like, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, winter Christmas, solstice Christmas. is, 
Winter Solstice is December 21st. Mm -hmm. And that's only three days prior. Yeah. And it's like, it's like the 25th is like the first day where we start to gain time sunlight back, which is why everybody celebrates on that day. There was time now. Um, There's time. So one thing, always keep your promise. One thing I really dislike (laughs) is, is the trope of a, of a workaholic dad or mom who's too busy to do things. Um, because I think going back to what I was talking about, about excess, you know, like, so she's talking about him getting the doll all and, and all this. And I'm sure that Jamie has a ton of Christmas presents, but like this movie, the remake, it wouldn't really work or we wouldn't really relate with that as much. Um, because unfortunately people do have to work long hours and the, 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 the wage scale is so different now, right? Like we're not our, our parents who can afford a house for a bag of beans. Like we have to like bust our ass and I'm not saying work 60, 70 hour work weeks, but, but I wouldn't scoff if my partner was like, Oh, I had to work, you know, 50 hours this week. And I'm not gonna be like, you're never home. I'd be like, I, I'm so sorry. Like, what can make I do to make bank. it easier? Yeah. Like, yeah. like I let's, let's try to see what we can do to make this better for us. And so it's just, I, I don't like, I never like that trope in the movies when it's just, Oh, you're such a workaholic, but I want all these lavish things. And I'm like, come on now, come on. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Well, I think in this, but she's a stay at home mom, right? I have no isn't idea. Liz, isn't it positive that Liz is a stay at home mom? Yeah. It's, it's at least, it's never mentioned what she does. But it other is than, seemingly implied. Yeah. Yeah, but to, but to, I think I think the distinction with this though is that he is very clearly like the head of the company, or at least the head of sales, or something yeah. like that. So he so he is at a station where he should be able to say like, guys, it's five o'clock. I have to go to my son's karate class. Yeah, yeah this Get is the fuck a out him, of here. This yeah. is a him problem that he cannot yeah. create a balance that he can't detach. Yeah, unlike conversely, Myron who has to work yeah. and the only day he has office. Christmas. So really the thing is actually maybe you make Myron the lead is that you make you it the worker and not the boss. You could. That we don't need the CEO to be our protagonist, but maybe our, you know, shot upon union worker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could also just get Jamie a mattress for Christmas. So solved right there. <laughs> Boom. Movie You're my over. Number one son. It's a tempopedic. You lay down and you, you, you keep your head down on it and it's it's great. Hey, 20 it's year warranty on those things. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So um you guys, you heard that the Rotten Tomato scores, uh, they were terrible, right? 20% critics uh, rating and 39% audience. Yeesh. Were people being too hard on this movie? I mean, it is a cheesy Christmas film after all. Like, what did you expect? Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. I see that score and I quote Ace Ventura when I say, nonsense, poopy pants. <laughs> that score is stupid. It's a stupid score. This movie's a treasure. Uh, that, that score. Oh, no, Amanda go, keeps go. You, you go first. No, okay. I was going to say, I, I have to agree with Matt. So I saw that score and then I started to go down the Rotten Tomato Christmas movie rabbit hole. Yeah. And so I wrote some notes. So Polar Express is sitting above with a 56% uh, Critic and 64% audience score. That movie was just, they should have called it Unfucking Candy Valley with how bad it was. I mean, granted, it's a, it's a beat for beat of the book. We got it. We understood it. Oh, that one's Um, bad. But that's bad. Oh, and there were some off-brand Hallmark Netflix Christmas specials that still ranked higher. And then I had to look this up to make sure this wasn't a prank. There was a straight to DVD Bruce Willis Christmas movie that was not Die Hard. That was ranked higher than this movie. Oh wow! So are like, those movies all nonsense. newer? Uh, uh, some of the Hallmark ones were like 
2018, but it's like different reviewers. Still, it's different. It's different. It's different reviewers that different... are still wrong. Oh yeah, no, no, they're working on a different. <laughs> they're working on a different scale. Yeah, yeah what they're I mean, what's wrong? And they should go back and retroactively fix this. Right. I, would, I honestly, I would say feel... that those Hallmark movies probably just deserve a lesser rating, and not that this deserves a better critical rating. Because I would say on a on a critical level. Just okay. from a critical perspective, if you are a film reviewer who is reviewing all the movies, it isn't great. It it is it is a little slapdash. It feels a little all over the place. It loses its messaging. I think it starts off strong, and then unless you really want to watch wacky races, you end up in wacky races, yeah. and then it keeps going. So I would say, from that critical standpoint, I do agree with them. Um, from an audience standpoint. It it still did really well and got a for some reason it doubled sequel. it doubled its profit. Yeah, well, no, it no, doubled, it let, clearly did well. But I also think a lot of this people is nineteen ninety six. Well, let's just pause it by saying that basically, Rotten Tomatoes isn't the end all be all. It's, no. it, it's a it's a very terrible, in my opinion, way to to rank a movie. And unfortunately, people hedge too much of their um, of their mm-hmm. desire to see a film based yeah. off of that, and that's really yep. unfortunate. But. Uh, but yeah, it's it is what I, it is. I think and, there are and, and, certain I, I, movies where you don't need to know what the critics say. Absolutely, this is that kind of you know. There's certain movies you're right. going into because of what kind of movie it is, mm-hmm, and yeah. unless it's the kind of thing where you've been promised a big dumb cheesy action flick, and then the critics come out and say, "Hey, yeah, I went in wanting that," but instead it's actually just really boring, and it's not the big dumb B movie you were hoping. Usually when it comes to these kinds of movies, the critics are not going to be positive, but who gives a shit because it's not for them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and w- w- I, I would also point out the, the very real fact that this movie came out before Rotten Tomatoes existed. Yep. So yeah. a lot of the critics reviews that would have been out at that time, either A, are not like available to find online anywhere. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're looking right at the page there, Zach. I mean, how, that 20%, how many reviews is it actually aggregating there. Is oh, it like 60? True. If it's like 50 or 60, it's like, oh, okay, well then who knows what it actually would have been if that movie came out today. I would I would wager that if that movie came out today, it would be 40s to 50s. I agree. I think that's yeah. where it would be today. So there are 46, I mean, 46 reviews from critics yeah. on that, and then there are over 100,000 audience reviews, which the audience one is, surprises me a little bit. Um, I, again, I, I, I don't know why people went into it. Uh, thinking it was going to be anything other than a cheesy Christmas film. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I also I, I think part of it though, on an audience standpoint is if you're coming at it with the bout of nostalgia that the three of you are, it's something you're going to like a lot more. If you're coming at it as someone who's seeing it for the first time now, it, it, it is a bit too cartoonish for me yeah. personally. But I, I, sure. I, I will say, I, I will say, so, I mean, but this film, I, I feel felt, owned how campy and goofy mm-hmm. it was it, it knew it was off the rails from the moment it started like think of it like also snakes on a plane <laughs> snakes on a plane knew exactly <laughs> it knew exactly what type of film it was it, yeah. it knew it jumped the shark from the moment the ink hit the page mm-hmm. and it just and- kept steering in i will also say i just looked this up 
uh, Roger Ebert in back in 1996 did give it a thumbs up, and that was Cisco wow. Ebert mm-hmm. back then. He's tough as it is. Sometimes, I, I miss, sometimes Ebert, Ebert so went much. in knowing uh, yeah, what he too. was reviewing. He knew what kind yeah. of movie he was going into, and there are things that he's reviewed that I completely disagree with. I 100%. And if we, yeah. if we start talking erotic thrillers, he and I could have a real discussion about misogyny and uh, those rankings. Yeah. But mm-hmm. <laughs> specifically, <laughs> if we're talking things like Sleeping with the Enemy, dude didn't know what kind of movie he was watching but okay um but i think when it came to this movie he knew what he was going into and so he was rating he was meeting it where it stands and i think a lot of other critics went in trying to rank it like they were ranking the oscars movie it's not trying to be that so you have to meet it where it stands and so i am what's its goal where it stands and i'm like it's okay i'm not gonna be returning to it because it doesn't give me the pleasure that other things do it, it doesn't it's not the fun for me that die hard is yeah. or that roadhouse yeah. is mm-hmm. roadhouse so but roadhouse. i'm still gonna meet it where it is you know I, i'm right. going in thinking this is gonna be big dumb stupid cheesy this is not you, you know the handmaiden mm-hmm. i i will say this about it and yes obviously i do have a lot of reverence for this movie i have a lot of nostalgia i've watched it I mean, I've watched it every Christmas since yep. 1996, sometimes yeah. twice, sometimes three times. So at least we're talking about at least 60 it's or 70 times. a safe times space. You can, you can tell us how many times you actually watch it. It's a safe space. <laughs> it's on right it now. To, I actually watched it one and a half times today. <laughs> I, 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 quick, quick aside. I was watching, I was feeding my, my daughter today during my lunch break watching this. And my wife was in the kitchen making lunch and I was laughing. And she's like, you've seen this movie so many times. What are you laughing at? I'm like, it's funny. It is funny. I can't help it. It's hilarious. Um, What I would say is Sunday night, I watched Four Christmases because I I was tired. I wanted to watch something new. It's Christmas time. That's what we do. We watch our our holiday movies. And I was like, I haven't seen Four Christmases yet. It's Vince Vaughn. It's Reese Witherspoon. It's Robert Duvall. You know, John Favreau, like an incredible cast. Sissy Spacek. It's got to be good. It is objectively not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know I know that someday I may meet Vince Vaughn and this may end me, but I gave it one and a half stars on Letterboxd because I feel like that's where it is. And the problem that I had with that is I think what a lot of modern comedies have done, uh, let it be said, I think Seth Gordon is the guy who directed that. He did make Horrible Bosses, which I do love, so mm-hmm. it's not completely devoid of uh, quality. Um, it does the thing where it's like, oh, we've got funny people very, very famous people trying to be funny. Let's just let the camera sit still, medium wide, and let's let's just let them riff. Yeah. And they can talk. And that's where the comedy will come from. However, uh, conversely, looking at Jingle All the Way, where, yes, you've got funny people like Sinbad and Phil Hartman and uh, Mark, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Martin Mullen. Martin Mull. <laughs> yeah, Martin Mull. All, the, all these people, like like legit like SNL people, very, very funny people. They You could just let the camera sit and be still and let them be funny. But... The film, the cinematographer, the director are, are active participants mm-hmm. in this movie. They know yeah. that when they have a joke line, it's a joke shot, mm-hmm. whether it be a wide angle shot, low angle shot. There's those quick snap zooms to like the moment when he realizes that he didn't get the doll. Yep. You know, when he goes to uh, the big laugh that I had this afternoon was when he goes to bed and they, they give him the uh, Morticia Adams yeah. lighting on his eyes as he gets like wide eyed. Like that's very cartoonish comedy filmmaking and I love it and it's it's much more it's something that I miss active. in, in it's comedies active. Of, it's active yeah. And, and yeah we don't get enough of that lately so I feel like mm-hmm. in retrospect if people were to look back on this 
uh, with fresh eyes, like I said, Rotten Tomatoes, you might get like 57% of Rotten Tomatoes. That I agree with. I, I do yep. agree with that. It is active filmmaking. They are making choices with their framing, with their shots. Mm-hmm. And because it's film, it looks gorgeous. I miss film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have that flat hallmark. Yeah. We shot this in real locations in mm-hmm. real places, mm-hmm. not on a soundstage. Didn't, wasn't there another like bit of trivia that like it was like the warmest winter for like where they shot on location? So it's like everybody was actually hot yeah, at that wow. winter extravagant festival. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> they all have to wear those giant coats. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, great conversation, great discussion. That's actually all I have question wise. But I want to go to the segment uh, for hottest takes. So I want you guys to defend. Uh, just choose one your hottest, most controversial take on this movie, on movies of this genre, of this era, of actors from this, of themes, whatever. Um, Matt, go ahead. Uh, I had this take on on my show a couple of years ago when we talked about this trailer trash. Uh, it, it's a it's a I may I may. Uh, cross the line of this podcast and be a little crazy here. But I said on that show and I stand by the statement, this movie is sophisticated satire. Ooh, I don't disagree with you on that. <laughs> I think, I think, I think it's, it's, it's cartoonishness. It's over the topness is where its sophistication is with what it's trying to say about consumerism and about you know, the pressures of parenthood and everything like that. Yes. It paints with a broad brush, but sometimes you got to be broad to get your point across. Absolutely. And, that's and I, on this last viewing, I was thinking that about that the entire time as I've just kind of done deeper dives into satire and maybe not so common satire. Um, but yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. That's a good take. Um, also, we, we have not at all in what we've been talking for an hour and eight minutes yet. We have not talked about easily the best part of the movie. You just put the cookie down. Oh, how have we not done this? <laughs> oh, Oh, excuse me, but your wife's cookies are out of this world. What a... Who told you you can eat my cookies? Mm. Oh, these cookies! I gotta get the recipe from Les. Put that cookie down! Now! Uh, oh, Howard! Oh, these cookies! Put that cookie down! So now. I did. I had it on before this, and when that spot came up, I again was chuckling. Even though I knew it was coming... I know everything about that, and it's just like I still just I miss Phil I, Hartman uh, for for Christmas this oh year. Oh my god, I, I was got, I, <laughs> I miss Phil Hartman too. Yikes! Uh, for Christmas this year, I got a shirt for myself and a shirt for my wife. My wife's says, mm, "Oh, these cookies," and mine says, "Put this cookie down." <laughs> and we're gonna wear it to all of our Christmas outings. So, the, and then is your is your newborn gonna be the cookie? Oh, that would be funny. That would be cute. That would be, yeah, we'll have to dress her up as a cookie. That's really cute. (laughs) So the part I have, the issue I have when I do Arnold movies for this podcast, because we've done several, is I have a very hard time and I tell myself, don't quote, don't quote, don't quote, because I can sit and start quoting Arnold lines till the cows come home. And like, Mm -hmm. so that's probably why I didn't say it and I'll speak for myself. But yeah, I mean, like there's just so much in this movie. Like I always say pretty cool when he has like the belt (laughs) and he like ties it around his head and Uh There's so much dumb shit from this movie that I just am like, Ugh. but yeah, that's probably why I didn't talk about the cookies, my wife's cookies. So That's fine. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm at a point now where every time I find myself uh, 
being right when someone else is wrong. And I didn't use it on you earlier, Zach, but I should have. You should have. I do, I do say to the person, that's because I have the bigger brain. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God. One of my favorite parts from, well, from Sinbad and just in the whole movie is when he's like, get out of my, get out of my way, box. When he pushes that box out of the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that did get a laugh. I did laugh at so that. So funny. Um, I think it's hilarious, but um, I'll jump to my hot take really quick because it kind of it kind of piggyback piggybacks off of yours. So, um, I think that along with the satire, where you know kids aren't really going to understand that from this film, I don't think this movie is made for kids. I think this movie is made for adults because this is this in the satirical nature nature of that Horatian satirical nature. This is for uh, us parents or us adults who are are like, holy crap, we procrastinated, we waited we have to go find the $60 toy now and like we're SOL. And so there are so many jokes in this too, that kids won't get like when he is trying to take the ball from the little girl's mouth and people are like pervert. I'm sure that, you know, eight year old Zach would be like, what? I, like, I don't get it. So I just want to mm-hmm. see more turbo man. And like, that's the whole point of the movie is it's not, it's not geared for kids. Yeah. And kids also wouldn't get why, like, the Jim Belushi ca- uh, cameo yeah. was like such a big deal. Yep. It's like, oh, it's because it's the first time they've been in a movie since Red Heat. Red Heat, yep. Yeah. And yeah. then and and same thing with like Ted's advances and all the things and just his his face when he is at the karate tournament. He looks at the camera and kind of well, he's not looking directly, but he has that classic Phil Hartman look of like, I am what I am, sort of things. So. Yeah, he, he oh. says, yeah, I got I got just the tool for the gym. yeah, like yeah, just the tool for the oh, so geez. good. I oh, miss that guy so much. So funny. I, I I wonder where his career would have gone uh, had he not uh, had he had, it, had not been untimely death. I feel yeah. well, he, he was going to do Futurama. Yeah, because he would have he would have been Zap Brannigan. That's yeah. why. Oh, that's why. Um, yeah. um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on who does the VO for it's Fry. He does. Um, he did Ren and Stimpy. Oh, um, I don't know. Was it like Don Scardino or something like that? No, I just have to quickly Google it because it's going to bug me. Uh, uh, voice actor. It's uh, Billy West. Yeah, because ah, Zap yeah, Brannigan. Yeah. Zap Brannigan is literally it Phil, was supposed for to be. Him. Mm-hmm. It was literally mm-hmm. for Phil. I mean, so that's also a great homage and to l- Phil. Let us not forget Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz. Hi, <laughs> I'm Troy McClure. Yeah, so great. Yeah, so he would have been on that. And that was about to, to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, what's your hottest take? I will say my hottest take is that, I mean, Howard's family is stupid, and also, I mean, you see him in the Turbo Man costume, and all they're doing, no one recognizes. It's I, not like he's Batman. He has a exactly. clear visor. Yeah, Austrian <laughs> accent. My name is Howard Langston. Like, I mean, come and on. Like, he knows my name. He's built like a brick shit house. Like, you you know your husband. And like, yeah, I'd be like, oh, well, that's Howard. No, you know what? Maybe that that is how not present he's been, that they can't recognize him. They oh, him. That's deep. Oh, uh, I don't know if I subscribe to that, but that's pretty good, though. There we go. You guys, you guys. Nobody knows that Clark Kent is Superman. Oh god, and he's got even less on. I know. Come on, I know. So bad. So <laughs> yeah, bad. Yeah, but he doesn't have that voice. Yeah, that's I always think they, of the, the... his his voice in the helmet does go through like a little bit of a modulator. Obviously, no, this is a ridiculous point. Barely. That I mean, doesn't, the movie, it, it does. Yes, it does. The movie tried. There's a little does. bit. Yeah, he's like Barely. who would know who would know better than your own father. It has like a little echoey. Yeah. No, I it's, agree. Exactly, it, it, it echoes. It still sounds Austrian. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this this time. I, I, I watched the last half hour right before we um, 
before we jumped on and I was watching it on my desktop. So I was much closer to the screen than I've ever been before. There's a point at the end where uh, Jamie's talking to Sinbad as he's like going to prison mm-hmm. and behind him in the frame is his dad and the mom. The mom I, is totally just like caressing his ass oh, wow. in the suit. And I was like, oh, that's a fun detail I never noticed I'm before. I'm going to have to watch it again. <laughs> Just Good for, for the, you, just Mrs. For Tom Hanks. Holy I, buckets. Mrs. Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> Back around to Polar Express. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, okay. Amanda, what about yes. you? Okay. I might be coming in a little hot here. Okay. Here goes. I think the movie is, and I. this isn't just this movie. This is how I often feel about Chris Columbus things a little mean-spirited and I don't love that. It doesn't always sit well with me. Hmm. And I think that's that's part of where my issues with some of the humor lie. So that's my hot take. Like Chris Columbus films in general? Mm-hmm. Like wow. Okay. Interesting. I mean Gremlins is Gremlins are not nice people. <laughs> no. Don't feed them after midnight. Interesting. Okay. But by I also like specifically like the Home Alone movies yeah. and yeah I I think they there it's a little mean, mean spirited and it doesn't always sit well with me and that you know I I like Matt and I have talked a lot about movies that are mean spirited or angry and I love angry but I don't like mean I hear you Amanda. Uh, I I got you Amanda I I agree with that I angry doesn't there's that there's that line like mm-hmm. yes I I don't want it to be mean but I can see angry I, i've just never seen that in columbus films but i think now i'm gonna have to start kind of paying more attention to that because i think you're onto something there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so okay. there we go <laughs> so now we're gonna do our letter grades um i would say for my letter grade i'm just gonna have to be biased and just give this one an a minus uh, for everything we've talked about before i love this movie it's nostalgic like what zach's mentioned like what matt's mentioned and i totally agree with amanda's um points Yes, it wasn't made for the critics. It was made for the audience, and it was definitely made for adults. I just give it a solid A minus. Awesome, thank you so much, Amanda. What do you give this movie as a first time watcher? I was looking up what leather grades correspond to what numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm probably gonna be the lowest one here. It's a safe Going space. C minus. <laughs> That's fine. It's a safe space. I uh, I get it. It's still better than what the um, critics gave it on on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So. Oh, <laughs> I I am still higher than what the audience score is there. I don't get that. I I think it should be solidly middle, like between the fifty and seventy mark is I think where it should fall. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's some very good filmmaking. I think the film it's it's very pretty to look at. There are definitely jokes that hit. For me, so I would not put it in a failing grade. Yeah. And we've watched things that I have given failing grades to. I would not. You don't like that found footage stuff, so. No, but also Body of Evidence, The Haunting Remake. Those were solid failures for me. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. So, yeah, I'm definitely above what those scores are, but it is, it's middling. Cool. Okay, Matt, letter grade. Okay. I'm not a crazy person. Intellectually... I give it a B, but spiritually and in my heart, A plus, A plus. It's the only Christmas movie of all the Christmas movies that if I reach the 25th and I haven't watched it yet, I have to watch it. Mm-hmm. I cannot go a year without watching this movie. 
And I would argue that of all the like big studio Christmas comedies, Christmas with the Cranks, Four Christmases, Deck the Halls, things like that, this is easily the best. I hate Christmas with the Cranks. It's terrible. It's pretty it's terrible. terrible. That it is, is terrible. a really mean spirited movie. Yes. 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 The movie is I, I so mean. I saw it in theaters. I wanted to throw things at the screen. I also thought it was offensive. Mm. Mm-hmm. Deeply nope. offensive. I hate the existence of that movie. It makes me angry. And I do love Tim Allen. You know, so not, not not in real life. No. No, no. As, he's, a, he's, as a performer, he's, he's great. He's a piece of shit in real life. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but I mean, not, it doesn't get better than Galaxy Quest. So Galaxy he's, Quest he'll always is have so Galaxy good. Quest. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I am there with you, Matt. I'm a B. Spiritually, yes, this movie is very high up there. It's one of my top five favorite Christmas movies of all time. Um, but yes, this is a, a B for, for all the reasons we've previously just talked about. So um, cool beans. All right, Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. What are you working on? Where can we find you on social media? Uh, on social media? Uh, yes, I'm on Facebook, but fuck Facebook. Um <laughs> I'm on Instagram. That's basically the only one I'm on. You can find me at Simply Bronsdorf because I'm a, I'm a man of simple tastes. Um, uh, and then what I'm working on is uh, I actually, so I shot out of order the movie with Brandon Routh and Brooke Shields and I weaseled my way into editing it as well. And I have now, uh, vis-a-vis, I have now uh, become the post supervisor of sorts. <laughs> so uh, that is currently what I'm working on. I have a scoring session tomorrow that I'm going to be uh, in with the, the composer and the director um, that hopefully will be done in the next month or so. Uh, and then after that, I, uh, I have Perfectly Good Moment with nice. Amanda Jane Stern, Woo-woo. which has been sold to your distributor. So hopefully soon you'll be seeing it on a, a streaming service near you. Woo-woo. Heck yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome anytime. Um, of course, this was, this was a, a, a joy and a pleasure. Anytime you talk anything, Arnold, I'll be there. <laughs> okay. And John, thank you so much for being on the show. As always, where can we find you on social media? Well, so you can find me on just Instagram. Uh, I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not an actor. I'm just a simple guy uh, trying to do right by two kids. Uh, I'm at, at john.edmonds. Uh, You'll just find some random stuff there or F1 content whenever Zach and I are talking. F1 is the best. I'm a huge F1 fan. So, yeah, it's it's great. I'm F1 partial to F2 personally. You like F2 better? I love F2. Oh. F2 is so much better. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just this season wasn't that great, but yeah, we'll see. Matt, I don't know what I'm we're talking to about. F1. F2 is okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't either. I thought we were talking about Fast that, and the Furious. So did I. <laughs> so did I. Because of course, you know, before before Fast X, we did get snide. Yeah, I almost said like I, Fast Sex. That's what the, I, the I was next gonna. One was. I was about to ask, are we talking about that franchise? And then I realized that's not no. what was being talked about. No. Sorry, no, sorry. No, 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 Formula no. One for all the others. Ah. <laughs> quick. By the way, quick ten second rant. It was Fast Ten. Yeah. Fat, you have to fasten fast, your seatbelt. The title's right there. It's right there. Yeah, I know. Anyway, done. I agree completely. And then as always, Amanda, what are you working on? Where can we find you on the socials? Uh, still on the socials at Amanda Jane Stern. That's the thing formerly known as Twitter and Instagram. And it's also Facebook. But, you know, Facebook. Uh, please don't send me random friend requests. I have a, a, pers- a public page. Use that one. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of weird random friend requests. That's a private space. <laughs> Um, what am I working on right now? Uh, the short that uh, Matt was filming with uh, with me this past weekend. Um, 
deliverables for perfectly good moment. We have to finish those closed captions, which is really fun. <laughs> and by really fun, I mean not really fun, but we're also really obsessive about making sure they are exact and not having someone else do them for us because we want I am the writer and I am obsessive and I want it to be the words I wrote and not something else. There you go. <laughs> um, and Matt and I are in a very early development on a horror feature. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to do a spoiler, but yes, yeah, that's yeah. true. A like erotic body horror feature. Wow. Cronenberg would be happy. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> well, um, I am on socials, uh, Instagram, X or Twitter and Facebook uh, at ZachDale60, Z-A-C-H, Dale60. You can find me there. And thank you to all my guests. You guys are the best. You, the real ones. And thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter and threads at DBCrazyPod, where you can share your thoughts, give us film suggestions, tell us if we're crazy, or just do your best Arnold Schwarzenegger persuasions. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a five-star review. Additionally, we are also available on every other major podcast app. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays. And until next time, don't be crazy.